Here at the chamber, we love Natchitoches. Meat pies, steel magnolias, Christmas lights, they're all signature to our historic town. But you know what really makes Natchitoches special? The amazing people who choose to live and work right here. And that's who we're going to talk to. I'll give you the highlights of what's going on in town, and then we'll take a minute to chat with some of our favorite people. These are the folks who are actively working toward making Natchitoches a thriving community, and they've got some cool things to share with you. And who am I? I'm your host, Mags, the Chamber Event Coordinator at the Natchitoches Area Chamber of Commerce. Hey everyone, Mags here. In today's episode of Chamber Chat, I have the chance to have a conversation with U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy. Senator Cassidy has been an elected member of the U.S. Senate since 2014. He serves on several very important committees, including the Health and Finance Committees. It was really neat for me to be able to sit down and have a conversation with one of our state's key decision makers. In today's chat, you'll get to know your senator a little bit better. We'll talk about his background, and then we'll talk about his take on some of the challenges of 2020. And we're back to Chamber Chat. Today, I am joined by my sixth podcast guest, U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy. Senator Cassidy, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Maggie. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So, I was doing some homework on you, and I saw that you spent about 15 years in the medical field after graduating from LSU. And then you ran for office and were first elected in about 2006. Is that right? Well, a, a little bit more, about 25 years or 23 years or something like that. Okay. Uh, so, so, so more than 15. Boy, my gosh, a quarter of my life or almost 50% of my life. That's incredible. So what inspired you to run for political office? You know, I can tell you tongue-in-cheek um, that um, you're 48 years old. You like what you're doing, but you want to do something a little different. You, you can't afford a red sports car, and you love your wife too much to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so what's left open politics? But, <laughs> uh, that's tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think sometimes God puts a little discontentment in people's lives to get them out of a comfort zone. I tell folks I was doing things that I've been doing for 25 years, very competent at them, uh, but doing them in my competence and not in faith, not in accepting a new challenge. And and to go into politics is a, uh, boy, what a leap. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, it's exactly the same. You're trying to serve other people. You're trying to diagnose problems and find solutions. On the other hand, it is just a different kind of setting in which you operate. And it's a whole different type of, 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 of faith required. Uh, now I'm in my weakness having to have faith as to how to go forward. So it's been extremely good. It's been good for my family. It's been good for my spiritual life. But it's also been good just as a challenge um, to I get to wake up every morning and think about something different in a creative way. And that's been very positive. And you've been a U.S. Senator for about six years. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So in that time, what is your proudest accomplishment? Well, I I could list some. I'll just start. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing, um, when I was in my first year, um, our second year, we passed the Mental Health Bill of 2016. And one of my colleagues called it the most significant reform to the mental health laws 
in 30 years. And a fellow freshman, a Democrat from Connecticut and I, teamed up. No one thought we could do it, but we passed it. Now, everybody listening to this podcast has a family member or friend with serious mental illness. And we know, because that includes me, that the drain that the person's life can go in one of two directions. Their illness can be addressed and they return to productive life and 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 mental illness becomes a distant memory, but not a life determining event. There's another path in which it's not addressed, and mental illness feeds into more mental illness into more, and families break up and kids have their lives disrupted, and sometimes that life is lost at an earlier stage, but only after creating a lot of hardship uh, and, 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 and broken hearts for a lot of people. We want it to be the former. We want it that life is put back together going forward and mental illness is a distant history. I think the mental health bill of 2016 makes that more likely. The second thing is we had a lot of flooding in 2016, mm-hmm. a lot of flooding, and, was, and I was able to work to get um, uh, billions of dollars to our state to help families rebuild. I remember at one point we had zero dollars in the budget, even though we had this terrible flooding. And Steve Scalise and I began to work it hard, he in the House, me in the Senate. And at the end of the day, we had a half a billion dollars to begin to help families rebuild. And I said, man, I started off at zero. I ended up with 500 billion. (laughs) (laughs) But more importantly, those families could begin to rebuild. I could list some other stuff we've done, but that's where I would start. Um, and, um, And hopefully can do a lot more. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Those are both incredible accomplishments. So conversely, you know, 2020 has been a challenging year for this country, for everyone. So I'm kind of curious, what has been your greatest challenge at Capitol Hill this year? So I'm a physician, mm-hmm. and I can look at what we're doing with COVID, and I can say we should be doing this, this, and this. But a lot of my, and I used to do public health. In my mm-hmm. 20-something years of practice, I did lots of public health, as well as teach medical students in the LSU healthcare system. So I can just see it lay it out in my mind. This is what I did for a decade. Uh, But to bring colleagues along to where they see it with the same urgency and they can see over the horizon, if you will, that if we do this, it goes well. If we don't do this, we're going to stay in this mess for longer. That's been a challenge. How do you educate folks who don't have experience in public health that this is the direction we need to go in? Um, And, um, uh, you know, we've had some successes. We've had a lot of frustrations, but I continue to talk with both my colleagues and people in the administration and people throughout the country as to how to have a better response. I can see that this would be a very challenging year, and that is quite the task to um, undertake to to educate people on that. And, you, you know, you have so much reward and challenge in this job, I think, all the time, right? So okay. it's for someone who is looking to run for office who's maybe young and has a passion for wanting to make a difference and make a change, what advice would you give to that person? Live a life before you go into office. Um, You know, my wife is a retired breast cancer surgeon, uh, and I obviously taught medical students and did public health and worked in the charity hospital system. Mm -hmm. And so when I ran for office, people could look at my wife's life and my life and say, here's a couple 
who've really tried to help other people. And, and by the way, they seem to enjoy doing it. And that gave us a lot of credibility. Uh, I remember once when I was first running for the state Senate uh, in a receiving line and people were walking through and a woman walks up and shakes my hand and seems a little bored. She's only there because her husband asked her to come. And then she goes to the next person who's my wife and shakes my wife's hand. She goes, oh, you're Laura Cassidy. You're my <laughs> doctor. Oh, I'll vote for your husband because he's your husband. Um, but if you will, <laughs> there's a little reflected, there's a lot of reflected glory there. But because my wife had cared so deeply for her and helped her through a hard time in her life, and because I stood by my wife and my wife stands by me, mm-hmm. that helped us. But similarly, I had patients who I had really brought through rough times. Um, who just got on the radio for me and people would attack my character and they'd get on the radio and they say don't attack his character let me tell you about this uh, and, and that was powerful one it's very humbling um, but it was also very powerful I could see that for sure so the other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about today that we haven't touched on yet what are some of the key issues that business owners, I'm thinking those in Natchitoches, but those all over the state, should pay attention to that the Senate is addressing this year? So clearly we have a response to COVID mm-hmm. that we have to do. Um, and so um, that involves both the payroll protection plan, which a lot of folks have participated in, some lending facilities for employers who have more than 500 employees. Those rules and opportunities are just coming out. I've been in multiple conversations with Kirk Swallow, uh, who uh, you've got that wonderful uh, hospital there and that hospital system. Uh, how can that flourish under these trying times? Your universities, uh, Congresses, uh, and I'm supporting a bill, uh, sponsoring a bill with a senator from Michigan, but it looks like there's going to be significant dollars put out there for universities, uh, secondary schools, and primary schools to help them do the retrofitting required for students to come to class safely. So, so, so for those entities, those educational entities, there's going to be a lot coming out of this Congress as regards that. Both schools and businesses have been concerned about liability protection. Uh, you may have a student, you come, you have social distancing, people are wearing masks, you have no-touch faucets, so everybody's safe going home. They sit on the couch next to their roommate playing Xbox, and they scream and yell and laugh and you know breathe on each other, and they get co- co- coronavirus playing Xbox at home, mm-hmm. not in the classroom. Well, is the university liable? How do you prove it? There needs to be a safe harbor so the business or the school setting, uh, if they've done everything right, will not be liable if somebody comes down with coronavirus. Uh, those are some of the issues. I'm sure there's more, uh, but there's going to be a lot a lot to address the coronavirus. Oh, one more thing I'll mention. Uh, there was concern that the CARES Act 3.0 gave such generous unemployment benefits that a lot of people chose not to work because they made more money on unemployment than they did working. About 80% of the people, I'm told, who received unemployment received more than they would have at work. So uh, businesses have been starving for labor. Obviously, you can't have a functioning economy if you have people unemployed who would otherwise be employed. So there's also going to be some adjustment to that unemployment payment, I think, 
that that it would be more kind of based upon what somebody's earning uh, as opposed to paying folks to stay home. I see. Well, that about wraps us up for the day. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about, Senator? I'll mention one more thing. Obviously, there is a lot of concern right now about uh, uh, social justice. Uh, there's a lot of concern about uh, does every American get a fair shake? I do think that everybody, regardless of party, needs to kind of evaluate, are we doing all we can to make sure that all Americans have access to the American dream and that all Americans are treated fairly? I also think, by the way, that for those who wish to kind of cancel a history, uh, whatever that history is, because they just don't like our history, they need to be resisted. I saw that a statue of Frederick Douglass, who was the man born into slavery, who escaped to freedom, who became an advocate for abolition before the Civil War in Gary, and then a kind of guide for African Americans to merge into civil rights after the Civil War, his statue was pulled down. Now, we can think of other statues pulled down, George Washington and Ulysses Grant. Um, all of that is terrible. So we have to walk this tension. No, it's not a tension. We have to walk this fine, bright line to make sure that every American is treated fairly and has opportunity and we celebrate our history and do not allow people to cancel it just because they don't understand it or because they don't like it or because maybe they even hate our country. Uh, and I do think that's a challenge for us all because ultimately, to echo President Lincoln, who quoted Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, I believe, united we stand, divided we fall. And we need to be united going forward. And if we're united, We'll look back upon 2020 as a time of life which was challenging, but which helped create an America which was better for all. And that should be our goal. Thank you for sharing that with us, Senator. And the last question that I always ask all of my podcast guests, what do you love most about Natchitoches? You know, I have been talking about Natchitoches over and over. And I'm going to tell you what I like the most is something I've not been to. Your Christmas festival. Oh. Gerald Long has been inviting me, and it's always conflicted with some family event. Mm -hmm. I've been quoting it over and over, though, because I'm trying to get help for cities and for state governments because they're losing tax revenue. And I keep saying, imagine that wonderful Christmas festival in Natchitoches. Um, uh, that wonderful Christmas festival, if they don't have it this year because of the need to socially distance, is that not going to impact a lot of small businesses? Won't that impact how the well the city does financially? Um, and, um, and so on one hand, I will tell you, I've been quoting consistently that wonderful festival that I've not been to yet but will be coming to. And then the second thing I will say, since I'll, I'll take two shots at this, uh, after that, I would say I've got wonderful friends in Natchitoches. Uh, the Nowlands, uh, your past parish president, his beautiful wife, the Pikus, Dr. and Dr. Piku, uh, wonderful people, Gerald Long, 
wonderful person. I can go down a list of people who are just wonderful in Natchitoches, who I just had the privilege of knowing from medical school days or through state senate days, uh, but have just continued those relationships. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm, you know, anytime you come to the uh, chamber, I mean, I'm sorry, the Natchitoches Christmas Festival, I hope we will see you at the chamber office as well. Um, we love to see you and, and bump elbows or fists or whatever we're doing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you yeah, so much. I, I was just telling people today how uh, the wonderful thing about Natchitoches, because it was a group in New Orleans, how, you know, Natchitoches, oldest city founded west of the Mississippi, and they have Florida leaves all over the place. I'm very proud of their French heritage. Um, and, um, uh, and, and I'm not sure the people in New Orleans are quite as aware of that. But I always kind of love your downtown, which looks so kind of French to me, uh, kind of French quarterish. And so anyway, I was bragging on you those guys. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Senator. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks, Maggie. I appreciate everything the Chambers do. And that's all we have for you today, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for the sixth episode of Chamber Chat. If you'd like to learn more about Senator Cassidy, you can visit Cassidy.Senate. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Chamber Chat and how you or your business can be featured on Chamber Chat, visit natchitoshchamber.com slash chamberchat.